Welcome to National Lewis University's Discover You podcast. I'm Keith Baltimore. Well, do you hear that? This week at National Lewis, we are celebrating veterans. And we've had a lot of really fun and exciting things take place this week. Uh, we had game nights for our veterans so they could relax and have a good time. Uh, yesterday, we had an amazing candlelight vigil. And I'm so excited about all of you who were able to participate in that. Well, today, we are going to be having a conversation with Eric Fries. And Eric is a part of the National Lewis family. And he's going to talk to us about his life in the military. And more importantly, he's going to help us grapple with this question of whether or not veterans are the unappreciated heroes in our community. Eric, how are you? I'm doing great. I uh, just got done doing the veterans uh, assembly at my school. So <laughs> it's been a it's been a long day, but you know, it's been uh, an interesting and worthwhile day, you know, sharing my experiences with the kids. Yes, a long, busy day for you, and you took some time out to talk to talk with Discover You. So we're we're very excited. So Eric, um, I know that um, as a person who's involved uh, with all of these activities going on today, tell me before we even really get into it. Tell me what are you feeling right now? Like, what's the feeling from the day? What's been your impressions? Um, I, I've just been feeling really good today. Um, really supported. Uh, I don't know if like all my coworkers at my, I just started a, a year long student teaching, um, program through national, uh, Lewis. And oh, so it's the first time they really got to know me, I think on a personal level, you know, we haven't had too many social outings because of COVID and it's been really nice. It was really nice to be able to share my story and just feel um, the support for my coworkers and students today. So just, yeah, feeling really great right now. So tell me about what branch of service were you in and when did you serve? Um, I, I uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps and uh, it was like 1999, my junior year of high school. <laughs> so I, I served for five years and um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was enough for me after that. <laughs> Boot camp for the Marines is pretty intense. Um, a lot of people think it's going to be really physically challenging, but for me, it was the more the mental aspect of it. Uh, for, for the first uh, 12 weeks, it's, I think it's 13 weeks long. For the first 12, you're not even allowed to call yourself by um, uh, your name. You're just this recruit. This recruit needs this. This recruit needs that. Or, you know, <laughs> this recruit, you know, everything is this recruit. You don't even get a name just to kind of, you lose your identity and become this new person almost, you know, and uh, you learn, I learned a lot about, uh, a lot of it was learning the customs and the traditions of the Marines um, and just working as a team, a lot of, you know, you know, you come, if you, if you played sports in high school, I think you would adapt well to boot camp. A lot of it's just, um, you know, carrying those who can't, you know, aren't as gifted in certain areas and then other areas, you know, everyone kind of works together to uh, complete, you know, the, the tasks and stuff. But a lot of it is academics too. <laughs> you got to learn all about, you know, 
parts of uh, your your service weapon, or you got to learn about the the dates and you know the key um, leadership roles and the ranks and all that. So yeah. it's just uh, yeah, it was it was a different experience, but it really builds you up, and uh, you leave there feeling you know very your confidence level is very high. You know you uh, you come out of boot camp just feeling like you know ten feet tall, <laughs> and you can do anything. Yeah, so I joined in 1999. So it was, you know, things were pretty good in the world in 1999. And I thought, be, you know, I was in college wasn't really in the books for me at the time. I was uh, working a lot uh, in high school. I had, uh, you know, I was working at UPS loading trucks. So a lot of my time was just working and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to load trucks forever <laughs> and I wasn't going to go to college. So when I spoke to the recruiter it just sounded like a great way to figure things out you know I could uh um visit Japan he said oh you go to Japan twice you get to see Australia you get to do all this fun stuff and flying helicopters I'm like oh this sounds great you know so uh yeah I just I really wanted to just you know figure out who I was and get to experience things outside of my hometown for for me uh I graduated boot camp on Friday the 13th uh and in um october friday october 13th 2000 which was the uss coal bombing so things like kind of changed right around that i was like oh boy this is this is going to be different isn't it and then shortly after um my training so it took a year of training to become uh you know certified as being able to fly and work on helicopters uh 9-11 happened I, I got out at, um to my unit in august and then September. So I was there for about a month before everything changed. So, so yeah. How, how much of your experience changed after 9-11? It was completely changed. The unit I checked in with had a lot of experienced people in it and they were all pulled to go to Afghanistan within a month. I mean, they were the first ones in country. Uh, they were put on a, a Navy ship and sent out uh, to Afghanistan. So I was basically left um, with a lot of um, younger people like myself, you know, newer newer people who weren't as qualified, maybe some more people that were getting ready to retire. And, and we had to learn a lot on our own, uh, worked a lot of hours, probably, you know, 90 hour work weeks, just trying to figure things out because we didn't have those, those experienced people with us. And then uh, obviously the war in Iraq happened too at the about a month or a year later so yeah it's just yeah everything changed real fast right yeah I mean I know that everyone who experienced 9-11 wherever they were in the country everything changed that day I mean that was just yeah so especially for us though we were locked on base and you know we didn't know what the next thing was going to happen I was supposed to actually fly that day and um yeah it didn't work out for me. We were sitting there. Nobody could get on base. Nobody could get off base. Obviously, everything was grounded. And yeah. It was just, I'm like, what's going on? We were, you know, being in California, too, the time difference. So it took a while before we knew what was going right. on. Yeah. The great thing about the, the military is um, it takes all kinds of people, right? Because you need people from all um abilities and like you know you want you don't want all the same person right because they're you're gonna you know you're gonna be weak in certain areas and stronger you know so I think I think it's just somebody that can work with other people uh who's open you know and respectful and just willing to you know uh learn you know I think 
Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you can, the way the, the, like I said, boot camp is set up, I think it could take any person who's willing and wants to be there and make them successful in the military. Would you say that the military prepares uh, one for leadership? Oh, yes, 100%. The person I was before and after are completely different. I mean, they give, like, it, I was telling my, my students today, um, at like 20 years old, I was in charge of a helicopter. I had to be able to brief people. I had to be able to say it was safe for flight. I had to, I mean, the, the situations they put me in really built me up in character and um, and leadership skills. I mean, I don't think you would get those experience. I don't think you'd walk into anywhere and, and maybe except for like professional sports at 20 years old and given those opportunities to lead and to be in charge. I mean, our, our armed forces are led mostly by people, I would say probably 20 to 25 years old, you know, they're just, it's, it's a very young job. So you get, you definitely get experience being a, a leader. I understand that. Okay, I'm going to switch gears on you here just a little All bit. Right. Let me ask you this. Based upon your military experience, do you believe America is a safe country? Oh, yes, I really do. We have like, I mean, some of the greatest people, like I said, are in the military and, and they would, you know, do anything to keep us safe. So I really think, you know, um, that's what stands us apart from other countries, I think, is our our military and their leadership. And, you know, the people, it, we're all, all volunteer force. So the people that are in our military want to be there. And, you know, they want to do that job. It's not like they're being forced to protect this country or, you know, like miserable doing it. They, you know, we really have a motivated uh, armed forces. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really inspiring to see when you when you're a part of it. I think that's an excellent point that you make about the fact that uh, everyone who is in the military is there because they want to be right now. Um, I think we, we can't always say that's the way it's uh, been, but that's the, right. way, that's the way it is right now. I would imagine there are a lot of ways that you could answer this question, but what do you believe civilians like what would be the top two or three things you believe civilians don't know or understand about military life? I think just the, like when you work as a civilian, you can, you go home and you can leave your work, <laughs> at, at, you know, at work and your home life is separate. And when you're in the military, it's like 24 seven, 365. I mean, like I said, you could be on call at any time and uh, the stress, the whole family, if you're, you know, the whole family has to be supportive. You know, it's very stressful for anybody who has a family member in the military because you don't know what could happen next, right? I mean, we, we live in a time where things change daily. And, you know, I think, you know, for someone in, in the civilian world, you kind of live your day-to-day -day life and it's pretty much a routine and you can go about, you know, doing things you enjoy and having hobbies. And when you're in the military, being able to have some free time is a real blessing. So mm -hmm. I think people just, you know, are, are aware or know what that feels like. Eric, a, a lot has changed in the military over the years. Mm -hmm. So I want you to give us your reaction to some of the following 
uh, things, the following big things that have that have changed in the military that has less impacted um, the way we do things. So I've learned that in, for example, in 1973, women made up on, made up two percent of the military. But today, women make up 16% of enlisted forces and 18% of officers corps. So why do you believe more women are joining the military? And what's your reaction to the growing number of women in combat? Well, I think I, I would like to see the, you know, how, how the workforce has changed in general, I think. Um, women now make up, you know, more leadership roles in corporations too. I think it's just, you know, the times have, have changed where I think more women are in college too. Right. I mean, yes. Um, so I, you know, obviously it's, it's uh, you know, uh, how would I say like, you have women that show that they could do it and other people see that and they're like, okay, you know, and it motivates more women to go out and, and, and do those things too. Cause I'm sure, in 1973, there were women who would have loved to have been in the military, but they felt that's just not something perhaps that a woman would do or wasn't accepted socially. And now that it is becoming more socially acceptable or for women to have more <laughs> masculine jobs, you're seeing women working all, all sorts of careers and it really isn't that big of a, a deal. I don't think I haven't, maybe I'm missing <laughs> the news articles or so I don't follow the news much, but I think, you know, I've, I've worked um plenty of careers where I've been the only man in the office and um I mean I'm going into education now I'm a very small um amount of men going into in that field so I think uh I think it's more just visually like once you see people doing something like oh okay you know like you know and then and then you know so you had the trailblazers that's what I was looking for you had women that did it and they did a great job and okay, let's, let's, you know, let's, I want to do that. I want to fly an airplane. I want to, you know, drive a, a truck or I want to, you know, I want to get the benefits of being in the military too. You know, you can get your college paid for, you can get, um, get to see the world. You know, I think, I think it's great. I think I, I you know, like I said, the military needs all types of people. It isn't like one person, you know, you, it's not a cookie cutter and, you know, especially being an air crewman, um, a lot of our decision making was made in, on a team basis and you want different viewpoints you want you know if somebody says something you know and you're like well that's a good point you know you want to have opposing views you want to have people that can come from a different perspective i guess different walk of life so i think yeah i think it's great and i think you know that's if somebody wants to be in the military they should be able to join in so uh another um i think big change that has taken place in the military recently is discussions about PTSD. Mm -hmm. And what do you believe can be done to prevent and support military personnel experiencing PTSD? And for those who and for those who are who are not aware, PTSD we're we're saying for post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I have experience with this and I think, um, I think, it, I, I think just discussing it and being aware of that it's a thing, you know, like it wasn't when I was in, like we got back from, I, I'm, this is my personal experience with, with, um, coming back from Iraq. I was, I got back in April and I was discharged from the military 
um, my, end of, my end of my contract was May. So I had <laughs> about 30 days the process being at war and be home with my family. Um, it's tough. I think, you know, the, the discussions around it are what's important and people understanding that, you know, it's something that can be treated and that, um, yeah, it exists. I think, you know, I, I think a lot more, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to talk to somebody serving currently, but I'm sure that there's more psychological evaluations being done when people get home, I would hope, or like having um, support as far as be, having someone to talk to outside of your chain of command, because a lot of people are afraid to talk to anybody in your chain of command, especially someone like me who was like air, air crew or any kind of medical or any kind of um, anything to do with medication, anything like that could disqualify you from flying. You know, you feel like your career could be over because you have a problem. So I think, you know, I know like in law enforcement stuff, they have that where it's like somebody else you can call that won't talk to your boss or if you're having, you know, issues while you're in that you can talk to. And then as far as like, um, you know, people coming home, I think there's a lot being done uh, locally and, and around the country. Chicago uh, has the, the Rush Road Home program that has been just great. They offer mental health services for military veterans from all, you know, all eras. It's not just for like Iraq and Afghanistan veterans. And they've actually helped me out personally with some counseling services and I think it's, you know, if you're, you know, somebody struggling, just reaching out and knowing that you can get services free of charge from the VA as well. You can go to the VA. I know that the system can be overwhelmed, but there's also, you know, um, service organizations that are willing to help too, a lot of locally. So I would say reach out to your vet center um, locally. You know, your county usually has uh, a liaison for services and be able to, um, put you in contact with somebody that can help with counseling services. I think just talking to somebody can really go a long way. You shouldn't have to um, carry that weight with you by yourself. Here's something else I think that has, uh, that I know that has changed and impacted the military a lot uh, in recent history. So in my research, I've learned that 77% of officers are, are white and 85% are men. And this sounds you know, like the military is not very diverse, but when you consider that for a long time, 100% of the military officers were men and all and you know, white, you could suggest there is some improvement if you think about it from that standpoint. Right. From your perspective and based upon your experience, is the military evolving um, fast enough when it comes to diversity, specifically in this case, racial diversity? Yeah. Um, so I, like I was enlisted, uh, so I can say the enlisted ranks are extremely diverse. I worked with, uh, people from, um, all citizen status. You know, I remember people being, were getting really excited because I believe a law changed at, you know, after 9-11 where they could, um, streamline their citizenship. So I didn't even realize I was fighting with people that weren't citizens of this country. And I think a lot of the um, uh, higher ranking individuals I worked under were, were um, people of color. And, and, you know, I think for enlisted, I, when I see the officer one, it makes me think, you know, a lot of the service academies are probably predominantly white men. I mean, you have, it's very hard and to get into those. And I don't know, 
the process, but I, you know, I can imagine the Naval Academy, you know, and West Point and Air Force Academy, the process of getting in is probably something for people who are a different, you know, social status as far as wealth and, and access to services to, to meet those requirements to get into those service academies. So I think maybe um, to get more diversity in, in the officer ranks, perhaps um, looking into ROTC programs through universities, like maybe more universities need to let people know that, you know, you can help with your, um, you know, having ROTC programs to help pay for college, you know, and help get you. I know, like, like I said, I'm not 100, I'm like very well knowledgeable on this area, but, you know, I know that you can get, you know, health degrees, you know, they're always looking for like dentists and, <laughs> and, um, and those, those fields where you can get it paid for the military and then work as a doctor or dentist in the military for a few years and, and you know, have all your medical school paid for it. So I think maybe working more with, with local universities as far as having ROTC programs and, and trying to get around the whole service academy thing. I mean, it's, you know, officers is a very <laughs> um, elite kind of thing in this country for a long time. And I, I don't know if a lot of people know how to get into being a commissioned uh, military member, so. Everyone who, who, who joins does so voluntarily. So for, you know, people of a certain generation, this current generation, they probably have no idea or aren't aware that there is a point in time in our country where you read, there was a draft and um, the intense uh, requirement to enlist or at least to register, I should say. Being a volunteer military means that people are being competitive to get in. They want, they want to be like I mentioned before. And I think like forcing people to have to serve for their country um, in the fight and wars can be very risky because you're going to have people that are just not buying into um, the mission, buying into, um, you know, defending our country or, or you're going to be doing a job like you know working on a helicopter with some guy who doesn't even want to be there do i want to fly in that helicopter if he's not 100 percent on board with me in there so i think it's great um that we are able to still have people volunteering to to get into the military it means that our country is probably in a good place too that people still want to defend it and put their life on the line for our country I agree, yes, for something that is so important to know that people are doing it of their own free will and that mm -hmm. that institution is still strong um, and, and because people are volunteering because they want to be a part of it. I think that says a lot about our country, so. Yeah, I mean, as much as you see on TV of people, you know, fighting each other and like, you know, the political climate right now, it feels, you know, um, just so divided of a country, but when you, when you think about something like that, it makes you feel like, okay, well, maybe we're all still in this together. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, it does make you feel kind of good to know that there's still people willing to do that for us. So for most people in America, I think probably the most popular or famous military person that they know is General Colin Powell, who, yeah. who, who recently passed away. Um, and happens to be a person of color. Mm -hmm. Are there actually other military figures, maybe contemporary military figures that civilians 
should know more about. It's just amazing to know that some of the leaders in this country uh, got their leadership skills doing a couple of years in the military. I mean, like you, you brought up, it really does. It's a great way for you to um, get those skills and get, get the ability to put yourself in a, a better situation and make you succeed in like all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. So I think. Well, what about you personally? Was there someone that you you met during your military experience who had an impact upon your life? Uh, yeah, every single person I, I worked under um, was just, uh, they, they all had a lasting impact on me. Um, you know, I can, you know, that being um, veterans say, like, you know, there's somebody, he, he uh, passed away you know we had a, a helicopter crash and um it, it, it was name was uh staff sergeant dexter kimball and he he was just like a marine's marine he this man showed up every day even to jogging with his boots on ready to work he would, he would run five miles with his his combat boots on you just wanted to work harder being around him and i'll never forget flying with him in iraq um always had a smile on his face and uh, he he showed up with rags. I mean, it's just, I was a corporal, so like a lower enlisted ranking, and uh, he was a staff sergeant. And, and he showed up with rags, had the whole helicopter wiped down, clean, opened up for inspection, ready to go for me. Um, he just loved being a Marine. He he just made you a better person to be around. And unfortunately, we lost him in a, in a helicopter crash. Um, and, you know, just that one, that one hurt. And it's just somebody I always think about whenever I'm in a, a tough situation, that smile and that humor and just somebody like that. So I, I strive to be similar to that. And, and I even told my students today that I was like, you got to have a good sense of humor because in the, in the hardest of times, you know, if you can just laugh about it and move on, people don't want to be around somebody miserable and grumpy and, and, you know, you got to be able to, to find a little bit of joy, even in mi misery. And that was, uh, who, who, uh, Dexter Kimball was, he was just a great person and, uh, you know, he made you a better Marine. And um, I mean, I just, just a great guy. Being um, part of an organization that has so much history, uh, prestige, I think just being a part of that and, and knowing um, people from all over the country who I worked with are out there now doing great things in their own lives. And just, you know, it was just, it was a great time. I mean, it was just, it was amazing to see what all these people coming together could do. And, and we worked so hard together that, you know, I really appreciated that part of my life. What's the best way to support someone in the military and their families? You know, letting them know that you support them. I, I think asking if everything's good with them, you know, checking in. I mean, it goes a long way. Like I said, um, especially active duty military, the family is probably the hardest hit. You know, they're, it's, it's a whole unit. Like they work together, you know, like from what I, you know, it, it puts a lot of stress on the kids, a lot of stress on, you know, spouses and, 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 you know, moms and dads too, you know, like, especially around the holidays, I think it's a good time just to, if you know somebody in the military, somebody deployed, just check in with them, make sure they're in a good place. And, you know, if there's anything you can do to help them, you know, as far as, you know, anything you possibly could. I mean, just knowing, I think a lot of times just knowing that people are thinking about you can go a long way. Uh, what is patriotism? For me, patriotism just means uh, loving your, your fellow countrymen, right? I mean, you could be, 
I, I always tell this to people. I'm like, the greatest thing about America is that you can just be 100% opposed to the government and like everything they're doing and say so, right? I mean, just being free and being free to, to be yourself, to express yourself, to speak your mind. I think all of that stuff is patriotism. It doesn't have to be waving a flag. I mean, some people that's, that's how they express it, but I think we really have to enjoy, you know, seeing other countries where you're not allowed to um, speak your mind, where you're not allowed to be different, where you're not allowed any kind of dissenting view. Um, it's just a great thing that we are able to do that here and, and, you know, feel like you can do it. Like, don't feel like you have to be bottled into some uh, mold of what, go out there and live your life and, you know, live your best life, right? I mean, that's what patriotism is. That's what America is for me. It's just a place where all walks of life are, are you know, being able to live freely. Ours service men and women help Americans live their best life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the best way you can give back there, right there, Melter. Show them that you appreciate yeah. that freedom out there. Appreciate you. you. Appreciate you. that freedom and live your best life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So a big thank you today to Eric Fries for joining us for our conversation about veterans and their lives and their struggles and all of the different changes and things that are taking place within our military. Listen, if you know someone who is in the military, uh, do your best to honor them, tell them thank you. There's so much that they do that we don't see that help us to live uh, great lives as Americans. Uh, we, I want you to know personally, I see you. I am so thankful that you are a part of our country here to protect us and make us all better. Um, so everyone out there, go and thank a veteran, give them a hug or a slap on the back or shake their hand because they deserve it. <laughs>